0: It's kind of really nice because when everybody gets settled in, all of a sudden I feel the Holy Spirit come in. It's an interesting sensation because I feel it come in from the top of my head and just kind of slowly glaze over my eyes like I'm under the influence of something. <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's kind of nice because it's just... You get used to it. You Just like yesterday we were talking about retraining ourselves we have our old habits that have gotten us caught up in the world and then we're, de- we're in here developing new habits in a sense to get us caught up in spirit and to let go of the world once you do it enough it really becomes a new habit where you just show up you don't even have to pray or call on god or ask or meditate or anything it just shows up because you've now retrained yourself that you're just in that alignment like jim said yesterday all i used to do is look up Well, that looking up is just in our attention, where we literally just direct our attention in and up into Spirit. And then we just hold our attention there and see what unfolds. And at times, just like when Jim and I share it, literally, I literally feel that movement of the Holy Spirit now just come into me and start to move, and so I just move with it and start to talk and see what comes out. And when it's done it literally just kind of lifts right back up and then all of a sudden the words just stop with it so it's kind of a, a fun process of of how it works and it's always interesting because i wouldn't even know how i would describe it spiritually but jim's called it before like a collective consciousness it's when everybody gathers together here in a room then spirit collects the individual consciousness into more of a group or a pool, if you will. And that collective consciousness is what the Holy Spirit works with. And then as we share, it all comes out of the collective consciousness there. That way, you ever notice when we share, there's something that always applies to you? <laughs> it just happens that way. It's not anything we do or anything we plan. It's just That's just the way, in a sense, spirit organizes it, I guess you could call it that way. And it's just fun to participate. It's just to show up and participate in that movement of spirit and that's what we're all doing. It doesn't matter if you're talking or listening. It doesn't matter. What matters is you're participating, however that is. And it's that participation that's really the key. In meditation what we're doing is just making ourselves available. We're participating with God and by the very action we're taking in meditation is opening up to participate with God. And then In that, as we create the space, then God can participate with us. God's always participating with us, but are we listening? Are we watching? Are we paying attention? Have we done the work to create the space to now let God come in so that we can receive of that grace and whatever God has in store for us? Whether it's literally just to fill us up with loving or if there's something more as far as like even direction or guidance or all of that, because really it's going to be all that over time. That's why you don't want to ever limit God. You don't want to just look to God for things. You want to go to God in loving. And in that, you'll get everything you need. God will supply and give everything needed, whether that's just to be filled with loving, like I just said, or whether that literally is a direction to go, even in the world, turn left or turn right to whatever that is to move forward in one's life to really fulfill your soul's journey. And who knows better how to fulfill that or what that is than God directly? It's interesting at lunch because we were talking about choices. And it's just like, well, I've, I have made one choice and that choice was God. You know how we talk about God first and God only? So it's really just make the choice for yourself as well. Make God your choice rather than what you want in your life. I I want this. I want that. God, give it to me. That's what most people do. And so they pray to God to get the things they want in life, not even considering what maybe what God wants for you. You know, thy will be done. Okay, Lord, thy will be done, but I want this. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. That causes a split again in the consciousness. And then we're ever in struggle with wanting God's will and wanting God to fill us up and have spiritual experience. But yet at the same time, we're ever in struggle trying to get what we want in the world. In other words, we're trying to control and manipulate. That's why the exercise we did yesterday, literally just what are you protecting, defending, or trying to control or hide, is very powerful. If you just literally worked on that one question as long as you want, you're going to just peel away the layers until there's nothing left but God. And that's really the idea, is to peel away the layers of our own desires, our own wants, our own beliefs, our own <laughs> thoughts, feelings, so that all that is left is God. And it's just the process. that's all that it is. It's just the process. It's funny because there's not a magic in it, but yet when we're doing the process, it often can seem very magical when we have those spiritual experience or those divine moments those are the things we live for often when we have those it's like wow because it is very magical to the physical consciousness and so we ever seek after that wanting more they say the only true desire really is the desire for god because in truth even all the things we're seeking after in the world is that we're really seeking after god not realizing that's what we're doing and all that we're seeking in the world So if you can even begin to look at your life journey in the things you want in life and to experience is that that's really your avenue by which you're seeking God. Maybe you can begin to kind of redefine how you look at your life to see that your life really is about seeking after God and fulfilling that God essence within yourself. Because I know a lot of us in any spiritual group for that matter, everywhere I've been, will often totally separate God and the physical, and then they'll start making the physical wrong because they don't think it's God, and then it's all got to be about God, and then you end up denying those things that you need to take care of physically. That causes a split in the consciousness again. Anything that causes a split is called separation, which is always going to cause problems. So all that we're ever trying to do is bring the two together. We're trying to bring that together so there's a oneness, just a one flow, a movement, whether physically, spiritually, it doesn't matter how you define it. If you look at it all as spirit, God first and God only, you live that essence of spirit and loving, and if you really understand that, you're living that no matter what you're doing physically, so what does it matter what it is physically you do? It really doesn't. But if you inside of yourself define it this is physical, that's spiritual, you just cause separation again. So it's called I am doing spirit no matter what I'm doing physically. I am being and living in the divine that I am regardless of what I do physically. Because who I am as divine is divine. There's nothing that can change that regardless if I'm in the physical body or any other body. I am still that which is divine. And that's really the truth. Leave it at that. Stop creating the separation by making the physical wrong. You are spirit having physical experience, no matter what that experience is. There's no separation in that. No separation. And so pay attention to those things inside of yourself that maybe you've made wrong, that you've judged, let alone feared, Those things that you have guilt around or shame. You know, guilt, shame, judgment, shunning, relationships. (laughs) Anytime we do any of that, it causes that separation. Because there's something inside of us for some reason, whether a belief system or some emotional reaction, that we will often separate and make something wrong and define it in such a way that limits us and our experience that disassociates the spirit of who we are from all that. We want to totally associate ourselves as spirit having experience. Remember God created all things so God is in everything and we are God as well so we are God having experience with God that all moves in a oneness in a flow You could say the air here unites us all. So we're all one in the air. The Holy Spirit is like the air. We're all one in the Holy Spirit. Here we are coexisting in that oneness of spirit as a divine spark, even here in the physical level. There's nothing but oneness and everything moves in that flow of oneness. So there is no separation But yet in our minds, when we define things as separate, well, then our experience is of separation. And separation always causes pain and disturbance. And then the things that go with that. But it's always done because of that action of judgment. Like the whole original Adam and Eve story. Original, well, we don't hear about original innocence. It's always original sin or original guilt, original shame that comes or stems out of because we went into judgment. We did something wrong. And then from that, then comes through our creativity all these other actions of what is wrong and what is right. And over eons of time, we've got a lot of rights and wrongs. In other words, we've got a lot of separation we've created in our consciousness. That now we're having to track back through. Remember yesterday we talked about the way down into this creation is the same way we're going now back to God. So we're retracing our footsteps. So we're retracing through all those things that we created that have separated us. So all the things, you know the left workbook exercise, loving the dark stuff, all the things we hate, shun, judge, dislike, or make wrong. That's all we've done in our consciousness. Somewhere along the line, we accepted a belief system called good and evil. And out of that, then we started now defining things as good and evil. And that automatically started to polarize or separate us in our consciousness. So out of the oneness of spirit, we went into polarity or separation. And so all we're doing now as we retrace our footsteps. is now bringing that together where the two become one where now we're going to begin to bring the right and wrong back together as a oneness of a place of observation where we just acknowledge it for what it is. Not right or wrong, but just for what it is. As it is. And as we come to that place of being able to just acknowledge things just as they are, without judgment, fear, those things that create the polarity and separation, is where we're gonna now start to find not only a greater peace and acceptance within ourselves, but in that neutrality then where we acknowledge things just as they are, is where we'll be now finding ourselves living from that place of oneness which is the soul consciousness. The soul sees nothing but loving. It is only when we drop in our consciousness down to the two eyes, or even the brain, left and right hemispheres, When we drop down into the double vision, so to speak, that's automatically we are split. And so we see everything through these eyes as right and wrong, good and evil. That's why in meditation, we close our eyes and then move back to the one single eye. So we come back to that place of seeing things just as they are, as a oneness of loving. Because when we look through the eye of loving, we see all things as loving, not as polarity. So it's a matter of where are we perceiving from. And so in meditation, we are attempting to move back to that higher perception of perceiving from the place of oneness and loving. And even as we do these laugh exercises, it's all to assist us of letting go of all those things we've created that we now have gotten attached to in that polarization. So as we release those things, we keep coming back to that oneness. Think of it like a pyramid. The very top, there's one point, but as you go farther and farther down to the base, well, it splits and that split gets wider and wider and wider, where at the very base, it's far apart. That's this world. The physical world is the base of the pyramid. So the split is great and wide. But as we begin to ascend the pyramid through the actions of meditation, LAF, taking responsibility for our thoughts, feelings, actions, and reactions, we end up right back at that one single point, the capstone, the single eye. You even pull out the dollar bill. You guys see the pyramid on the dollar bill, the eye on the pyramid there? That's what that is. Some people say, that's Big Brother watching you. No, it's not. That's fear trying to control you. The Founding Fathers did this pathway. They put the symbols of the pathway even on our currency. The seeing eye is the eye of the soul or the eye of God, if you will, at the top of the pyramid, which is the top of this creation. And so that's what we're attempting to do. So the Founding Fathers knew what they were doing, even the whole Declaration of Independence and Liberty. That's what all that is about. But in... Evolution and the physical, you can only take that so far. You can't liberate the body. Only the soul can get liberated. But in that attempt to go for soul liberation, it does have its effects into the world that in this world would call, call it liberty or freedom, even though in truth there's no liberty or freedom in this world, the body itself is a trap for the soul. Sooner or later, even after you travel a lot, You've seen enough and you're like, oh my God, I'm bored with this place. There's got to be something more. I feel so limited and trapped. Here on the islands, what do you call it? You feel trapped here? Yeah. See, those are all outer reflections of how the soul feels just limited in the body. And the only action to liberate the soul, to set it free, is that action of meditation and also releasing all those attachments in which we've imprisoned ourselves with. That's what we're doing here is releasing those to set the soul free so now we can begin to not only ascend the top of the pyramid but even rise above that. The top of the pyramid is just getting up here but then there's a lot of sky between here and the sun. There's a lot that we can fly through to merge into that sun which is really God. And then that's a whole new journey. Whole different level of experience. But that's the direction we're moving into and through as we take these steps here through this physical journey here. And again, when I say physical, I also mean astral, causal mental, etheric. The only time, Jim and I, when we say spiritual, we really mean the soul level and the spiritual realms. We don't, sometimes we'll say spiritual when we're talking about the inner realms of the astro-causal, mental, and etheric. But really those aren't spiritual realms. Those are metaphysical realms. So we really do want to transcend all of that. But it really is literally scientific in a way, this process by which we ascend that pyramid, this process by which we let go of the polarity and how we have, in a sense, bought into it or created that through our life experience, through our belief systems, our feelings, our actions. But it's important to realize the only way to really do this is through the Spirit. It cannot be done through the mind, it cannot be done through the emotions, it cannot be done through the imagination, it cannot be done through the body. You can't feel or emote your way to God. It does not matter if you have bad feelings or good feelings, that has nothing to do with God. It does not matter if you have good thoughts or bad thoughts, it does not have anything to do with God. The only thing that has to do with God is your soul, that's it. It does not matter what you think, how you feel, What you believe, what your fantasies are, or your physical life experience has nothing to do with God. Well, what's it matter then? Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe all we've done is made it matter, which created all of our attachments that have imprisoned us. So this action of liberating and freeing the soul is letting go of all those attachments and that's it. Simple, right? Well, it is simple. It's just that for so many eons of times and all the tons of karma we created, we're so far buried in it, we just can't seem to see our way out or how long it's going to take or whatever. That's why a lot of this is learning to live in the moment and always just keeping our eye on God, because in that is the only way it's going to happen anyway. But there's really no way of knowing what is the timeline going to be. But why bother focusing on a timeline? When spirit itself is eternal, there's no timeline in spirit. What does it matter what timelines are here? When we get caught up in the timelines here and we buy into that, we just hook ourselves back in. And once again, we're in the turmoil of what comes with time and space and all the disturbance that comes with it. So why am I sharing a lot of this? So that as you hear it, you begin to pay attention to the things that you've been focusing on. And not only the things you've been focusing on, but what have you been doing with those things inside of yourself? Have you been judging those? Do you hate those things? Do you shun those things? Do you just dislike them? What do you do with these things inside of you? We have to pay attention. I'll often talk about It's more important our approach to things than it is about the things themselves. How we approach things. Do we approach it with fear, hate, judgment, dislike, shunning? Or do we approach it with loving, accepting, and forgiving? See, those are attitudes. So yes, your attitude is important because based upon your attitude and how you approach things is going to make a difference of how you experience things. But ultimately, we want to go beyond the attitude because, again, attitudes are what? Good and bad, right? We want to rise above it to the place of the soul. The soul is the only, only place from which we truly see things just as they are, accept things just as they are, love things just as they are, and truly see it as an action of loving in experience of the journey of our divinity. And that's all we need to do is come to that place and live from there. Then the rest is handled. Well, then why am I still here? Why do I still feel caught up? Well, just simply because there's yet more opportunity of living more and more from the place of the soul. So as you live from the place of the soul and you look and view into all those things that you've created that have gotten you caught up in the world, When you look at those things from the place of soul, you look at them from a place of loving. And what does loving do? But liberate. Loving liberates. Loving sets you free. And it is only loving that can do that. So even as we do these laugh workbook exercises, it's not just our attitude towards it that makes a difference. It's where we're truly coming from, either the soul or a different place that makes a difference. Again, why we start the day with meditation. So we start off with focusing here and hopefully we can carry that to some degree throughout the day so that whatever we do through the day is really more of a loving experience. Even when we have the bad attitudes and the reactions that we can still look at them with loving. Because if we look at all of our reactions, our thoughts and feelings with loving, we free ourselves from all of those belief systems, feelings, and reactions. Whereas if we look at them from a place of judgment, fear, dislike, we keep ourselves attached. Even the exercise loving the dark stuff. We didn't say judge the dark stuff. <laughs> we didn't say get a good attitude about it. <laughs> He said, loving the dark stuff. So you've got to truly come from the place of loving in order to set yourself free. That's the key to everything we're doing. Doesn't matter what it is. That's the key to all of it. Because it's the only thing that really works. The funny thing is, when you really learn to live from here, did you already do the work to get free? (laughs) Okay, now I'm just messing with you. Because that kind of stuff will mess with the mind. It's a real mind, as they call it, a mind forgiveness. My other favorite F word. It's very interesting because when you start to really have the experience of living from the soul, your perception is different and your life experience is definitely different. I'm kind of laughing because I'm there now. I'm kind of like in this blissful, like, dream state. And sometimes when you live from that place, it seems a little crazy to say the least when you know how the world operates and you're trying to be in the world, but yet you know you're not of it. But that's when it gets fun. Because when you really live from that loving nature of who you truly are, the effect that it has not only on your own experience is awesome and wonderful. But then even when you see as you live from the place, how it even touches to others. Funny thing is, if you try to give it to others, it'll backfire on you. You just have to live it in yourself and then the others will have whatever experience they have with you as you're living from that place. Because that really depends on what they've done, where they're coming from, where they're living from within themselves. But that's no concern of ours. But when you make it your concern, what happens? You all get caught up in their process now and try to manipulate and control them to get them to be like you now. No, no, you've got to be loving. Damn it, you fucker. You've got to be loving, you. And then where are you at then? You were starting in this wonderful place of loving and bliss. And now as soon as you entered into trying to control somebody else because you judged where they were at. Do you see how this works? As soon as you judge, guess what happens? You bring yourself there. That's the creative part. This is where we are creators. That which we do, we bring ourselves into that experience. So if we judge others or judge ourselves or judge anything, we literally now are bringing our consciousness into a state of judgment, which automatically causes separation, pain, disturbance, and all that good downward spiral of stuff. And then we get all upset at ourselves that we did that, And then we have to come to a frickin' retreat and do these damn workbook exercises that we love, I mean, hate so much. But all we're doing is unwinding that spiral and now ascending back on through it. Why can't we have fun doing this? How come we so resist or don't look forward to these exercises? How come they're not fun? They are for me, and some of you maybe think it's fun, but... It really can be fun because if you really knew what it's doing for you and liberating you that you're waking up to who you really are as a soul and eventually going to know your oneness with God, why would you not get excited doing this stuff? Are you freaking crazy? (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) So eventually when you get into enough crazy like I am, then when you start looking at these things one it seems pretty silly but then it actually begins to make sense and it's that making sense that then brings you to a nice place because when it starts to make sense you start to realize you are now living really more from that place of loving and as you do that your life's going to change for the better In that it's going to be more from that place of peace and joy in acceptance and greater understanding or at the very least greater trust and faith with life and how it unfolds rather than condemnation, judging it, thinking it's terrible, all the politics, all the environmental stuff. It's so horrible. This planet was born and it's going to die and that doesn't need any help of ours to do that. So if you've got judgments just on all that, well, you just locked yourself in with it. So why not just go ahead and start to forgive yourself for judging all the politics and the environment and all that stuff to set yourself free so that now you can look at it realizing how crazy it all really is. And if you think you're the crazy one, well, actually you're the sane one when you start to see how crazy it is. But then the nice thing is, when you're living in that state of crazy, when you've lived from a place of loving and accepting, it really changes everything. And then, you wanna have a good impact on the world? When you live in a place of loving and accepting, the impact you have on the world and others is gonna be very beneficial and uplifting. Do you think if you come because you look at the environment or politics or whatever in the world, and when you're filled with hate and judgment, do you think you're going to have a positive impact on it? Seriously? That's crazy, for real. Doesn't this make sense what I'm talking about, or am I just talking to myself here? Oh, I am talking to myself. I just have a (laughs) multi-personality. But that's it. That's why we've got to be willing to let go of all those judgments and whatever perspectives we've had on the world that we can call negative, to say the least, that have caused the separation. Because that's what the world is always trying to do here, is to pull us into separation, because as we go into separation is how we feed and keep giving it life. All we've got to do is let go and start giving the soul life once again. Start feeding the loving. That's really it. That's the simplicity. What are you feeding? Are you feeding that darkness, that hate, shun, dis... Well, what is it? What is it? Loving the dark stuff. So hate, shun, judge, dislike, and make wrong. Is that what you're feeding? Or are you feeding the loving, the accepting... I don't even want to say forgiving. That's just for when, because you've been doing all the other stuff. Again, Laugh Workbook, whatever tools we talk about, they're all tools to help us just release whatever we've been caught up in in the polarity so that we can return once again to that place of oneness. God first and God only and to keep doing everything we can to stay there, or if we slip back into polarity, to bring ourselves back. That's the simplicity. And find a way to make it fun. If this is not fun, then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you should be shameful and guilty for that. You're doing it all wrong. Wrong. <laughs> That's right. Shame on you. <laughs> You're all guilty. <laughs> Time for penance. <a> <laughs> Dish it out. <laughs>